Hello and welcome to episode 198 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. The gang's back together again. I'm James, joined by Paul and Ryan, who just got back from the Sunday night game against the White Sox. Uh, it sounds like you had a little bit of a schwitz this weekend at the at the games that you went to. So Friday night they won, but it was unbearably humid. Tonight was actually not that bad uh, humidity-wise, but it was warmer. So I, I would much prefer the less humid, but I also would prefer the winning. So I guess Friday was better. Also, we had better seats on Friday. We were down in the 200 level instead of our normal 400 level seats. So eh, it's well, all trade-offs. I'm glad you made it back alive. Didn't die of heat stroke or dehydration or whatever. And yeah, so there you go. I know I know you like to complain about the schwitzing every once in a while, so I figured I'd I'd, I'd get that in right now. Yeah, no, uh, no roof closing. So that was that was good. We didn't that's, have to deal with good. that. Tony Larusa would have lost his mind. That would have made him very angry. Uh, lost his mind again. Again, again yeah. He, yes, I feel like he's lost it long ago. Uh, but we can talk about that when we talk about the White Sox series and all mm-hmm. the uh, umpire shenanigans that that ensued there. But. Uh, yeah, this is episode 198. I know, Paul, you, you uh, maybe uh, mislabeled that you Ron Burgundy'd it last week. I think we determined that was Ryan's fault, but <laughs> usually is. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. I take one week off and we lose count. And, you know, that's an old RAE it's standard, actually, too. We can, like, yeah, we can say it's Ryan's fault, but all the evidence suggests that it is, in fact, my fault because <laughs> it's never once been right on reporting as eligible. So, yeah, I was going to say it, that's one of the running gags in RAE is you just never know what episode it is. So, that, really, that is it was correct. just a tribute because JR was here, too, right? So, <laughs> we'll just play it off as that. So, <laughs> It's all good. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. You guys did an excellent job last week. Always fun to listen to JR, too. Uh, but whole gang back together here for at least a couple weeks. So uh, before we get rolling, a reminder, you can help support the podcast. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash tailgate. Two bucks a month, as always, gets you a question of priority here on the podcast. Five bucks gets you that minor league extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. And if you have not signed up for that or upgraded already, you're going to want to do that soon because they are doing their post-draft analysis this week. You'll want to check that out. You guys are, what, recording Tuesday night? So when can Mm -hmm. we expect that to drop? Wednesday-ish. Wednesday-ish. Wednesday-ish, yeah. Somehow (laughs) those minor league extras always end up taking me a little bit longer and i just like sit on them longer than i i should so all right so look for that wednesday ish which is also (laughs) coincidentally the time packers training camp starts and we all just start forgetting about the brewers because uh the aaron Rodgers circus will come to a full head on wednesday paul i know you are planning some reporting as eligible mini pods which you also get those with that five i promise I promise there will be RAE content this week. There will definitely be a mini pod this week. <laughs> there just you so go. Every, just so everybody knows, my kid's summer camp had a COVID person and has to shut down for two weeks because of the law. And so I have kids at home, which screws up recording and there's still boxes. Every, it's terrible. It's awful. It's, go get vaccinated, please. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to do it like now. So there'll be content this week. And then there'll be regular stuff starting with training camp because we're not going to not talk about Aaron either <laughs> showing up or not showing up. Um, that's That's got to be discussed. If you haven't already, check out uh, Paul's uh, latest at Acme Packing Company. That's the SB Nation Packers blog. Uh, basically explaining why Aaron Rodgers is a putz is the word you used. 
so generated a lot of talk already. Uh, and, you know, we're going to probably figure out what happens by Wednesday, right? Either he's going to up and retire right before the shareholders meeting on Monday. That's one conspiracy theory. Or he's going to show up on Wednesday like nothing happened because he likes the attention. He does. That, right? that is correct. And yep, putts, I think, is kind of the perfect word for him for his specific kind of passive annoying um, tro <laughs> trolling tendencies. So uh, do go check that out. It seems to be well received. I think putts is dead on. Any other name and it would have been less good. This is perfect. The more Yiddish you can work into just general is conversation, the better. Correct. We've been on this. We've been rolling on this for about five minutes, and we've already had fits and putts. So I feel like we're <laughs> on a roll with the Yiddish so far. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's see how much we can roll in in the next hour or so. Uh, on the topic of the Brewers, they were able to kind of bounce back from a, uh, let's just say, sluggish midweek performance <laughs> against the Royals. And we can get to that in a, in a second. Uh, but they did take two or three from the White Sox over the weekend, that showdown of Central Division leaders kind of actually looked like far and away the better of the two teams, at least looking at two of the yeah. three games there. Uh, so that was good to see. Uh, I guess, uh, Ryan, you were there. Your impressions on the weekend and any uh, shenanigans with Tony La Russa. I just feel like it's great to be able to hate Tony La Russa again. So this was a nice little throwback. <laughs> it did. To be able to boo Tony La Russa in person again was just <laughs> wonderful. His name gets announced and I just gave to boo. Like, like almost like a half-hearted like, oh, yeah, that guy. Boo him. Like, not even like really invested. Not like a hate boo, but just like, a, oh, yeah, that guy sucks. Boo. So I, yeah. I did very much enjoy that. And yeah, the, the midweek series, the less said about that. I think that's one of those things. We'll just memory hole that like totally that, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> nobody wanted to be there. Everybody wanted to be at the Bucks party. Yeah, they were all wasted and did not care at all about playing baseball. Uh, just chalk that up to that and move on. I was going to hold that for a second. But yeah, let's we can just talk about that right now. Like there's no way they weren't hung over on Wednesday afternoon, right? hundred like, <laughs> percent. Them and everybody else in Milwaukee, though, right? <laughs> they were there were all the, the all the videos and stuff on i'm not a, an instagram person really i mean i have an account but i don't really use it but all the all the stuff they were partying their asses off at that at that game on tuesday night and yeah wednesday like i jace peterson made two just horrible misplays that yep it just looked like he was not playing on full strength right and they just looked like they were half there it was like the varsity blues game after they go to the strip club and see their teacher. <laughs> and it, it, that's really all you have to say about it. That's the level of concentration and effort that was put forth. And there was good reason for it. Well, and I think on Tuesday too, they weren't really in great uh, shape. They seemed to be maybe a little bit less locked in than they normally would be, especially in the offensive side. And maybe that was just like, they knew they were trying to get to the game. Like, right. let's get this yeah, going. Sure. Get there, right? Yeah, of course. The game got moved on them, and it got moved on them because they were, I mean, for a giant party to come. So, yeah, same deal. Ryan Braun was in the house. You know, it was yes. just, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, I mean, I, there's no chance, like, they didn't at least, like, David Sturz didn't at least talk to him while he was there, right? Like, I feel like. Maybe wasn't he, it's like he a, was with Antanasio's kid, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like wasn't he was that sitting the in the owner's box and stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, it mm -hmm. was like, like I, I have a feeling they're still talking about that situation. And you know, the Brewers, 
Uh, we're in trade deadline season. They could really use some right-handed power for the stretch run here. You know, first base has been kind of a mess. Who knows? <laughs> it would not surprise me if, like, in the next week, something comes out and they're like, yeah, we talked when he was in town. You know, that kind of thing. But Hey, Ryan, we might call you next Friday. Uh, so just you know, <laughs> keep your phone near you and yeah. make sure that uh, you're ready to pick up in case we need to talk to you. I don't know, maybe about uh, one o'clock L.A. time. <laughs> we may just want to talk to you and see how you're doing and all that. So just uh, keep it in mind. Right, man. Glad to see you on the Instagram with the with the batting cage. That's exactly that's just great stuff. So, yeah, that's that's my conspiracy corner thing for the, for the week. Of course, he was in town for the game, but. Like Paul said before we started, at least one MVP showed up for that game and, yeah. and another did not. So actually two out of the three did, right? So Chris Christian Yelich was at the uh, game there. six as yep. well. So just huh. the putts didn't show up for the, the team. Did not show up. For the team he owned in the finals game seven, which is very egregious, just very bad form. Yeah. I I was just surprised that Rogers didn't show up to that game because that would have been you know, the perfect ESPN bomb to put all the attention on him again. It would have been a very Aaron Rodgers move. So there you go. All right, enough about that. Let's talk about this White Sox series a little bit more too. Uh, I mean, it's good to see that the pitching really shut down an actually pretty solid offense. So uh, that was nice to see. Uh, I guess, Paul, we did see some La Russa shenanigans over the weekend too. Are you are you just kind of over that at this point? Or I I mean I kind of missed that game, but then I just reading about it kind of made my head hurt on Saturday. I mean this is it's all very what La Russa does, which is um, make the game about himself and try and try and insert himself somehow to make people think about him. Get on get on the news. Have ESPN you know take shots of his mullet and. Talk about what a what a old timey hard manager he is, and how he's a lawyer and all that nonsense, and tell the Larusa story for the hundredth time. So, no, nothing surprising. And the Brewers really do seem to bring out the best in him too. So, that, that's always we, we have so many great Larusa driven quotes. You know, we've got small bones, and we've got the lights and the ribbon board. Uh, the ribbon board is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we had the uh, the Chris Carpenter throwing crap at people. Was that during Larusa's tenure? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, like, LaRusso's weird because I, I do feel like he's still held up as sort of a, a paragon of old-timey baseball. A lot of complaints about him where, you know, he is an old man and won't be able to relate to a young team. But, like, LaRusso's famous because he's he's famous because he's an asshole, because he is a, a lawyer who argues with people. And, I mean, he, he a lot of his titles are based off of steroid users. And, I mean, that's why he became famous, because of the Bash brothers and... Then you know he he was the manager for he was the McGuire on the Cardinals too right mm-hmm. like yep yeah so so that you know that's it's not like a it's not like he's like got this squeaky clean resume of like dominating it's all cheating and shit <laughs> um, so like anytime Larusa complains about anything the umpire should just say um, how much did you see Jose and Mark doing go away now and that should be the end of it <laughs> yeah I mean he is. The thing was, he was ahead of his time in the 80s in terms of bullpen management. He's the one that invented the modern bullpen, which we all came to loathe. But 
there's a reason it it really did work in that time period to be able to match up go left right and to have basically a one inning closer a save specialist which was a new sort of invention in that time and he made that work with Eckersley really really well and then remember when he went out I hate to bring up bad memories for Brewers fans but he was Ahead of it, the curve, even at the very end of his career, that last run through the playoffs, he bullpened his way through that uh, through that playoffs. Talk about trade deadline. The the Cardinals that year picked up a lefty to eliminate fielder. Oh, yep. Basically erased fielder. And then Octavio Dotel Mm -hmm. uh, followed and erased Ryan Braun. So. Very, very clear on what Ryan said and say that. Um, Tony Larusa ruined bullpen management. Um, was not, he was ahead of the curve in ruining bullpen management, so that's fine. But yeah, well, I mean, when you had starters still going deep enough into games in the late '80s, uh, where you didn't need to, you could carry a, a slightly larger bullpen and use them matchup for matchup and do that. He was able to make some real headway there, and and able to to do some very you know, innovative for the time things. That's true. But he also did, he did kind of make the nine in, ninth inning closer a thing for, you know, till, still to this day. And we all kind of mm-hmm. don't care for that so much. No, but it did work. And like, it was, it was especially, it worked for him because Eckersley needed that. Like Eckersley. Not against Kirk Gibson. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Eckersley needed to not be used for multiple innings the way that closers generally were used at that time. And he was great at what he did for quite a while. Yeah, he was. So anyway, yeah, I I, I don't want to say <laughs> nice things about Tony La Russa, though, because he's he's a jackass. And that uh, that little bit of behavior when he was uh, getting tossed on Friday night, when he was out <laughs> at the mound and was arguing with the umpire, that was the most. Uh, OK, Tony. I'm going to eject you. Okay. Like you keep it up. Like, and then when he actually did the motion, it was like the, like, Oh God, I just don't even want to be here. Just go away. Leave me alone. Okay. Grandpa. Yeah. Yeah, It was very okay. Grandpa. Let's get you to bed now. And yeah, I, I, my joke was like, you know, Tony didn't, Tony didn't have any problem. And in the post game of that, remember he was talking about how Rowdy Tellez was ducking under pitches. Well, you look at the the pitches in that at bat, and none of the pitches that they called balls were strikes. So no, they weren't. He had no, no argument. I, none of them were even particularly close. That quote, and I was trying to figure out what the hell he was talking. Also, about ducking under pitches is just a thing he made up that we have to add to the the pantheon. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. Ducking did. under pitches is definitely that. So, yeah, I mean. It, so he he came up with that and then like tried to turn it into something about like basically like oh I don't think he was disrespecting the game implying that he actually was you know of but I, I can't accuse him of that like I don't think he was but like that's what he's trying to to get across it all seemed very half assed like yeah Tony twenty years ago you would have put a lot more energy and effort into this and it would have <laughs> meant something and done something but this was just like yeah it, it very much was the okay Grandma let's put you to bed meme like. Uh, yeah all right so yeah so we do have a patreon question about tony la russa oh i feel like i feel like uh i'd know the answer to this one just based on what you guys have said so far i hope it's about how to handle a dui it is not oh man 
Uh, all right. He's not a famous baseball person question. All right. Uh, it's uh, from PJ Wessels. He's asking the Brewers faced Mike Matheny and Tony LaRusso this week. Of those two managers, not teams, who would you rather get a three game sweep against? So I guess both of them have kind of earned the ire of Brewers fans over the years due to their Cardinals connections. Paul, between the two, who would you take the most joy in sweeping? I think Larusa. Um, Mike Matheny is like a, I would say, a sub evil to Larusa. Larusa is like an all time, like if they made Marvel movies about man, like um, evil managers in baseball, <laughs> he he would have his own multi movie run. Whereas Mike Matheny would just be like some some suck ass Captain America villain. So uh, okay. you want to beat Tony Larusa? Uh, Mike Matheny's fine, but he's not even. Like he's he's never been a particularly good manager. He did used to be a brewer. Um, you know, he suffered concussions. There's there's some sympathy there. I mean, it's better backstory. Lurus is I mean, is more like Skeletor. Matheny at least has a reason to be okay. the way Skeletor. he is. But yeah, um, you want to beat Larusa. Uh, Matheny's fine, but yeah, yeah, I definitely. I I don't have anything particularly against Mike Matheny. I think he's bad. So that's <laughs> right. Like in a way that Larusa isn't. I mean, Larusa's the evil genius, right? It's to weird. go to the it's, weird to, to the Marvel thing. Like it's Larusa's weird the, the Royals keep. Genius, but, yeah, it's yeah. weird the Royals keep hiring bad brewer catcher managers. Like, stop <laughs> doing that. Um, Can't wait for Henry Blanco to be the next Royals manager. I love Henry Blanco. They should do that. He'd probably be better. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I guess the other big thing, you know, we, we're past the, the Larusa hate and now we're looking ahead. The other big thing this week is the trade deadline is on Friday, as we've kind of alluded to there. Middle of the afternoon. Is that right on, on Friday? So mm -hmm. it's not the 31st. It's the 30th this year. And even though the Brewers kind of did a lot of their trading early, I think you would argue Willie Adamas is probably the most impactful trade that a lot of teams would probably make this deadline season and that was made back in may uh there's still a lot of interest in what the brewers might do in the next week and we do have a lot of questions about it we have got a slew of patreon questions to get to so we'll start i guess with jay google on this topic so uh basically what stern's up to in the next week <laughs> what do you think the strategy is going to be in the next uh, week or so paul for david stearns well the one thing about david stearns is he is not lazy he will um, be in on anybody who might potentially be a fit and will call everybody. Like um, this is not a situation where you've got guys like you got guys who just like deal with familiar people or in their own division or aren't, like, it's not like the brewers are ever even constrained by position. Like we, we can speculate right now that it would be nice to add at like first base or whatever. Um, but they'll add literally anywhere and then they'll figure it out later. So Speculating on Stearns is really hard for that reason. And um, I don't, the one thing I think we could be sure on is that they'll add relief pitching because they basically always add relief pitching and yep. they need relief pitching depth to do what it is they do. Um, but uh, I feel like they never add at the corners. Uh, not at the deadline anyway, but I'm sure that they're up for it. So um, I think you can expect unpredictability, um, movement, but unpredictability, and you won't be able to see it coming. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. There's lots of candidates that they can shop for, but my guess is it'll be weird. It'll be something we didn't see coming, and that's why it will have been available. Yep, I think that that pretty much sums it up. I do think in broad strokes, they need right-handed power. 
They really need mm-hmm. a right-handed power bat. Ryan Braun, I'm telling you. <laughs> like it could be it could be we'll see he he's made it through most of the season and now he could come in and be the uh the white knight riding in for the just the, the stretch run and not have to have <laughs> dealt with all of the all the other bs but um and then i think left-handed relief pitching would make a lot of sense yeah and we'll talk about some names on there uh coming up but yeah, those are the things that make probably the most sense. I did throw out in the middle of the night last night because I woke up oddly in the middle of Saturday <laughs> into Sunday uh, and was like, oh, I need to tweet, apparently, and <laughs> brought up the idea that uh, it wouldn't be the most insane thing to see them perhaps move one of their big three starters to the bullpen for the stretch run and the postseason, one, to save innings on them, and two because they're very much about the whole outgetter thing and look at what LA did last year Julio Urias was probably their most important pitcher and he didn't I don't believe really start many games in the postseason at all it was all out of the bullpen and he was brought in to shut down teams for multiple innings at a time Uh, we talked about this a little bit before we started here I don't know that anybody's a real great fit because taking Corbin Burns out of the rotation and limiting the yeah, innings no. that you're going to get out of him, that probably, and like we also talked about the fact that he has said that he likes to have a routine and all of that. Yeah. So that probably isn't ideal for him. And Freddie is also a guy where you're like, I would rather have him pitching the fourth inning than the eighth <laughs> inning, given that sometimes the command just like goes away and he gets ends up giving up some runs because he puts guys on base. Now that hasn't been nearly as big an issue this year. But you do still see glimpses of that, you know, Freddie bad command situation pop up every now and then. So, but the the real idea behind this is just expect the unexpected and look for them to do exactly what you don't think. Like what we all think right now that they couldn't possibly use a starter. Well, watch them go and get a starter. Like <laughs> probably. <laughs> Hello, Tyler Anderson, newest member of the Milwaukee Brewers, yep. right? Like, there you go. Yeah. Uh, no, I, Ryan, I just love that you're using Twitter as like your personal dream journal that you just yeah. write it out there before you forget. <laughs> it was. It literally was. I woke up. We've been out with friends, came home. I woke up in the middle of the night. And before I went to the bathroom, I literally tweeted. <laughs> Jeez. So stupid. <laughs> But it was I mean, actually, I think it was a very cromulent point that I made. Like very cromulent for three in the morning. Like hell, guys. Like uh, this is this is not I terrible. Just, hell. If they did that, the, the problem with doing that is then you have to start someone else who's not as good, right. and they don't go as far into the game. It attacks the bullpen more, not less. So well, um, maybe that's three... why they trade for a starter this week. I don't know. That could <laughs> <That's>... be why. <laughs> there, there is that. Um, Uh, One guy, okay, so I I was scouring pre-podcast as much as possible, look for anybody that might fit. Uh, Any thoughts on Trey Mancini, who uh, plays for the Orioles, who suck, and who is just a lefty masher, and who is um, not a free agent at the end of the year, but he's not not so far away that he's the future of the Orioles. I think that he would probably be likely moved on from before they get good. Um, So... It seems like maybe a possibility of, of I would I would certainly be calling and checking on him if I were other teams. Um, he seemed to be he would seem to be a very good fit on this team for sure. Yeah, I would think Orioles fans would really 
throw a fit about it because he's got a great story right now and he's sort of the sentimental favorite and whatever. But then again, those Astros guys are cold-blooded assassins. So, yeah, right. you know, because that's Michael Elias. Yep, now run by a cold-blooded assassin Oriole guy. So there Indeed. you go. And the Brewers are run by one as well. So. And he's 29. He's not young. <laughs> he, like, this is not mm-hmm. some... Yeah, this is not some rookie who's still, you know, going to be a developmental project for them. It's just, he, this is what he, he is what he is at this point. And what he is is a guy who crushes lefties and is okay against righties. So um, you can make use of that, but it's more better to make use of that on a contending team than the Orioles. So uh, se- seems like a good one. Yeah, he has a year and a half of control. Left. Year and a so half of control. There you yeah, go. he is a oh. free agent after the 2022 season and he would fit perfectly well. Yeah does seem Sternsy, but I do think what we're going to run into in the next few days here as we see all these trade rumors is do the Brewers actually have kind of the, the trade ammo to pull something like that off? You know, Mancini is not going to come cheap for a rebuilding team like the mm-hmm. Orioles either. So I, I guess, Ryan, do you think that they have the pieces that they could move to make a significant trade like that and not just kind of add around the edges? Oh, yeah. Easily, you could get Trey Mancini. I mean, yes, you're paying for a year and a half of him, so it's going to be more expensive. But I think you could do that. I don't know if they particularly love Bryce Terang, but that I could easily see something like that fitting. Um, He actually probably doesn't fit with what the Orioles tend to like. According to what James said in the last minor league extra pod, so maybe scratch that. But the point is, is that there aren't a lot of guys who are going to move at this deadline that the Brewers don't have the ammunition to get just because we haven't had a seller's market for the trade deadline since 2016. And even then, it was kind of weirdly located in like two relief arms brought back these huge prizes and other than that, like it wasn't anything particularly remarkable. We haven't seen a seller's market at the deadline in a very long time. And I don't know why we would think we would see one now, given that there's so many teams that are completely out of it. And the teams that are in it in many ways are even doing some things like the the Rays this week gave up a starter. <laughs> they just right. traded away a starter. So... I don't think you're necessarily looking at a huge market. I mean, think about who's the last big guy to move with Manny Machado in 2018. And I believe the best player that came back was a prospect who was kind of had a down arrow next to his name and was generally in the 50 to 75 range all for baseball period. There's nobody like Manny Machado. Even I don't think Trevor Story measures up to where Machado was at that no point way. in 2018 yeah. so i don't think there's anybody in this trade market who's going to move that's going to generate that kind of interest so the brewers can grab just about anybody i think they want on this market it's just a question of how much they want to give up for it and are they willing to go into the very top guys in the system like mitchell perez terang ashby small like those are the the guys how much are they willing to give those guys up to to add, you know, would you would you want to give up Garrett Mitchell to get Trey Mancini? Hmm. Like, does that do anything for you? Because it doesn't do anything for me. So <laughs> I know you're the prospect, hunter, but yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, that that would seem like a bit much to me. But there you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. So some more Patreon questions about the trade deadline. We've got Ask the Tam. 
he asks, does Mark A know this is a go year and will the Brewers be very active this week? Well, it's fun talking about trades for big names. What middle relief guy and Jace Peterson clone do we really end up with? <laughs> so I, I do think this this question kind of distills the feeling of a lot of fans, right? Where, you know, the Brewers are going to run away with this division. At least it seems that way, right? As we record this, even with the loss on Sunday night, they're six and a half games up on the Reds. Uh, and, and the last series with Cincinnati, they didn't look quite that competitive. So... I, I guess now do you figure the Brewers are kind of stacking for October and do you expect them to be active in that regard? And how are we going to be disappointed, Paul, with <laughs> the outshirt? You know? Uh, well, though, I, I mean, they will be active. I, I think, I don't think we'll end up being that disappointed. I mean, people can, I, I mean, I speculate about Trey Mancini because it, you only speculate about potential big impact, big bat type people, but I suspect they will shore up their bullpen depth. And um, if they do add a bat, I hope they add a big bat because they could use another big bat. But what they tend to do is add flexible um, fielders who can cover multiple positions and who offer something at the plate, whether it is just a good platoon split or you know maybe a high pace percentage without a huge OBP to get on base like a, that is the Jace Peterson I just described um you know <laughs> something something along those lines so i mean you can get up for them signing some monster re-signing Ryan Braun or whatnot but they'll definitely be active just shoring things up for the stretch run for sure they're not going to just stand pat that that's just not going to happen they're they're very active front office and they're they're going to prepare themselves well for the playoffs to come so um, it's just a matter of you know, what your expectations are, and if you think they're going to go grab like some forty home run guy, well, they're, they're not. <laughs> they're going to they're grab upside or something that can help them in a specific way. Yeah, or multiple years of somebody like we're talking. They about. do love that. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then they could get Jonathan Scope and not extend a uh, qualifying <laughs> offer to him again, or not a qualifying offer, but uh, pick up his option or whatever it was that year. Okay, so. How to phrase this? <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a problem with the idea of this being the go year. And this is down to a basic baseball philosophy. And I've said it many times on this podcast before. The goal in baseball is to get into the postseason. And once you get there, it's very hard to control for what is going to actually happen in that time. Um, the Dodgers have been the best team in the National League for, I don't know, seven, eight years now. And they have one World Series win, and that was in the pandemic-shortened year, and another World Series loss, right, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Um, I mean, once you get into the postseason, any kind of crap can just happen. So the goal is really to continually get there over and over and over in as good a shape as you can. Granted, you want a strong team. You're not, you're not trying to you know, eke your way in, but... There is something to be said for when you have the division well in hand, and like I think we all think the Brewers do, for not getting overly aggressive with trying to put too many eggs into this year's basket. That would be a mistake. If you try to say, like, we really need to win the World Series this year, well, you don't know what's going to happen in the next two months to your team, to your roster, to the rest of the situation. You just can't control for that. And in baseball any stupid shit can happen. So you kind of just need to, they're in a good position this year to make the playoffs and they have 
the horses on this team, you look at the pitching depth that they do have, both in the rotation and in the bullpen, that should be good enough to potentially make a run if things go well. But there's no one player that they can add that's going to like fundamentally change anything about this team, right? They can't go out and like reshape. We talked about the Jose Ramirez last week, and yes, everybody's you know gaga over that idea. One, we don't think it's actually going to happen because Jose Ramirez would cost a mint, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the kind of transformative move that could do that. But even then, like, how much does that really matter in in the playoffs if you end up with you know Christian Yelich in a series going two for nineteen or something, like? Right you might be able to squeak through if everything else kind of works, but like it, there's just too much randomness to the postseason in baseball that you shouldn't really look to give up a lot of future value to try to win in the postseason in any one year. It's about getting to the postseason over and over and over and over again. And really like from a fan standpoint too, you know, we're watching the games like 162 games a year I want them to be good through that yes it would be nice to have that playoff run and have that all go that's on on some levels it's the goal but also like it's baseball and you're you're here for like what really really matters in baseball is the 162 game schedule and the more they devalue that this is why we've had so many problems with what Manfred's done lately the more they devalue that 162 game season the more they devalue the sport in general, because the postseason is and will always be a crapshoot. There's not really much you can do to change that in baseball. The one yeah. thing you can do is have a bullpen that's deep enough that you don't run out of decent pitchers. And I, I think they're still not quite at that level, and they know it because occasionally they do run out of decent pitchers. Um, and that's 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 the one thing. Like you, you have your depth sufficient to withstand long games, drawn out games, lots of walks. Having to play, um, you know, matchups all the time, they and they can't quite do that as much as they would want. But other than that, like Ryan's essentially correct, like you can't, especially on offense, you just can't control for slumps and and hot streaks and things like that. So yeah. All right, and on that note, I guess then does that kind of change the perspective for what we want the Brewers to do in this next week? Do we want them, Ryan, to maybe focus more on those matchup types that would increase their odds of kind of maybe eking out those postseason wins along the edges or is it just kind of building more and more depth just to kind of prepare for anything yeah i think it's it it is setting yourself up for all the different ways you want to use your roster so look ahead at the postseason and how you want to set that up and and then also like you said building up depth because there will surely be injuries between now and the postseason like that is inevitable so you hope it's not anybody important, but you know there's a pretty reasonable chance that there will be something. So you try to control the best you can for that and take advantage of what's there on the market. Take advantage of, you know, if somebody is, is in a position where they have a player that is maybe doesn't have a market developed for them for some weird reason, and you can potentially use that player to an advantage, well, take advantage of that then. So, which is the kind of thing David Stearns has done since he got here, is look to, to push advantages anywhere you can get them. Yeah, and if there's one thing we've seen during the David Stearns era, right, it's that kind of 
expect the unexpected, right? Very few of his moves have been rumored ahead of time. They were on a pretty tight-lipped ship there, and it, it, it's unusual for us to see the Brewers are interested in this name, and they actually come through and get that guy, yep. right? Usually it's, you know, like the Willie Adamas trade where it comes kind of out of nowhere, and then they say, oh, yeah, we were interested in him for eight months, you know, something like that. So yeah, exactly uh, true. I would not expect to see a lot of rumors, but then I would not be surprised to see the sudden Ken Rosenthal tweet this week that they had traded for a bat or something like that. So uh, I guess we'll have to see what happens. But Adam Post, our next Patreon question, has an interesting name, a familiar name (laughs) that I think would solve maybe some of the things that we've been talking about. Adam's asking, will Jesus Aguilar be the Brewers primary first baseman following the trade deadline? Paul, what are your thoughts on a reunion with good old Jesus? Uh, probably not, though not impossible. Uh, he's a righty-hitting power guy who's probably available. Um, so, like, it's not it's not crazy, but probably not. And um, just the it's it's low likelihood because they'll be pursuing so many options. If they did it, it would be it's it's what a bad team does. Like, oh, we know this guy. We'll go and find him. And the Brewers are not too bad for an office. They pursue everybody. So um, they're not going to go get a guy just because they know who he is. And that's, I think, most likely why Jesus probably will not end up on the team. Um, and Jesus is good. He's having a good, not great season. But mm-hmm. worth pointing out, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he has really reverse platoon splits in a small sample size and hasn't hit lefties very well, which... None of this means anything over a season. Like that doesn't matter at all. It's hey, pounding righties, good, oh, awesome. That's that's actually very good in case righties coming to face you. But, um, the, I mean, I'm sure he's on their radar because he is a first baseman who is older and likely available, and they they, they like Jesus is a good guy by all accounts. I mean, I got like five bobbleheads of Jesus in my house here somewhere. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, very low odds of that happening. So um, I'll go with no. But it's not an insane thing. Exactly what Paul said. It's not insane, but I wouldn't really bet on it. And I do think there is something to the idea. They know they like Jesus Aguilar, the person, and they do value that. So they wouldn't worry about bringing him in from a team chemistry standpoint. They would look at him as a positive in that regard as opposed to a negative. And they know that he's also dealt with in the past uh, kind of haphazard playing time. Sometimes he's in, sometimes he's out. They know he knows how to deal with that and how to make that work. So maybe that ups the odds a little bit just because they they have that history and they know that those aspects of uh, of his profile would would fit with what they're trying to do. I guess that sort of comes down to, like, how much do they believe in Rowdy Telez? Do they think that he is Mm -hmm. potentially the answer for them? for more than just like because we did start seeing him play against lefties well real quick here and uh jonathan judge our our good friend pointed this out today as well rowdy telez is real weird he has no (laughs) platoon split over the course of his entire career uh he hits he hits and jonathan said this because it's very unusual for lefties to have no platoon split uh, and there's lots of physics reasons for that and lots of developmental reasons just with the number of right-handed pitchers you face growing up versus left-handed pitchers um, that you just don't get used to facing lefties and you have that natural advantage. It changes how your swing works, all that jazz. But 
So, so literally, like over a very large sample size, I mean, not huge, but a pretty large sample size, he hits lefties pretty much the same as he hits righties. Even slugging and OBP are pretty much the same. Like you'll see guys with similar platoon splits where they like get on base more against one side and they slug more against the other side for a short amount of time. This is like just the same across the board. It's, it's really crazy. So Rowdy's a tricky one because he's not necessarily a good platoon partner for people at first base, uh, which is really, really weird, but is, is apparently true. So you got to deal with that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe he is the guy that they want to run out there every day, and maybe they're much less focused on adding a power-hitting first baseman than we would think on the surface. But, yeah, it, who knows? It's David Stearns. Anything yep. can happen. There you go. And Aguilar's probably one, too, that wouldn't cost too much to to acquire a sub-800 OPS first baseman <laughs> on the wrong side of 30. So oh, Also, Jesus did play third base once this year again, which yes. I always like to see. So, <laughs> Big boy infield, for, let's go. Versatility. I was I was at a Jesus third base game, and it was beautiful. So I am all for that. Love it. Yeah, that was the Clay Kershaw start. Uh, that was the, the Josh <laughs> Hader right. coming back from the... You were in the stadium that day? I didn't even realize that, Paul. Yes, I was. I was there with Breen and with Steve. <laughs> so, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's another name that's going to draw a lot of interest in the in the next week. Maybe not so much with the Brewers, but just kind of overall. And I know Ryan has his doubts on if this particular person will actually get moved for a plethora of reasons. But our next Patreon question comes from Brady Steinberg. He's asking, what are the odds the Brewers are the team that's looking at Trevor Story to play center field? So this was an interesting thing. Was it Passan or somebody reported in the last week? There there was a team that was looking at Trevor Story, traditionally shortstop by trade, up, yes. to play center field. And I think we all thought, well, asking somebody to play out of position seems like a very David Stearns thing to do. Uh, so I, I, I think it was a very plausible thing. But then on the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast, I think Buster Olney could just ca- casually mentioned that it was San Diego that asked if or, or wondered if Trevor Story would be willing to play center field. So maybe this question kind of goes out the window, but I, I think that does open up, Ryan, the possibility that, you know, the Brewers acquire somebody and they ask somebody to move positions. You know, it's happened before. They traded for Mike Moustakis and he ended up playing second base. So mm-hmm. I guess uh, if the Brewers do look at Trevor Story and you can get into why you think Trevor Story is not even going to get traded, uh but would they look at him at maybe third base or a different position, considering they've got Willie Adamas at short now? Oh, yeah. You wouldn't trade for him to move Willie Adamas off of short. Uh, from a, an offensive standpoint or a defensive standpoint, that wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, but I also don't think you necessarily want to like get him and like take away a bunch of plate appearances from Julio Urias because he's... Not Julio, Luis. Luis. <laughs> we were talking about Julio. Yeah, we were yeah, talking about Julio yeah. before. Yeah, you don't want to take away plate appearances from Luis Urias because he's been really good since that trade as well. So, I, I think the biggest thing though is just I am skeptical that the Rockies will end up being willing to trade Trevor Story for anything that David Stearns would deem reasonable. Yep. And I don't think that they're necessarily even going to get an offer that the Monforts are going to be okay 
pulling the trigger on. That's why I don't think he's going to get moved at all. I think they're just they're stupid and they've already set it up that he's going to get blamed for wanting to leave because he's said uh, that he's not interested in doing an extension with them. So they've already got that in their back pocket. They don't want to trade him away because that's bad PR. And so they're a dysfunctional mess of an organization. And I'll believe it when he actually gets traded. But I think it's it's less likely that that happens. That, that's it. Um, and he, they're never going to get the guy at the top of the market. And you have an irrational ownership and a guy who's going to be at the top of the market. That's just not going to happen. Um, and and, and uh, it doesn't often matter if somebody's a good fit or not, but he's not a good fit. And you can ask Trevor Story to play center field, but that's not the position switch that they normally go for on the Brewers. Like going from third base to second base is very different from going to an infield position to the most important outfield position. Right. Uh, on, on a team where like, you know, you got Jackie Bradley on this team because he defends the position. It, he wasn't ever picked up for his I mean, his bat is not always as bad as it has been this year, but he's, he's there to play defense. They, they clearly care about defense at center, I think partially, so they can cheat a little bit on defense other places if they want to. Not that they have bad defenders on the outfield. They don't, but uh, like center field fixes a lot. So uh, Trevor's story, I think, kind of is a bad fit all around for the Brewers and just isn't going to happen. It's uh, Even if he played for a front office that would make that kind of deal and Colorado is a bunch of crazy people who don't know what they're doing. Um, but the, but the only reason to call them, by the way, is is that is that you might be able to sucker them into something stupid. But I think that they are gun shy enough that they're going to be too conservative for their own good. So yeah, not going to happen. It, Trevor Story is not going to be a brewer. That's just not going to happen. All right, our next Patreon question kind of brings up maybe this idea of counter building, which the Rays have seemed to do, you know, they traded for Nelson Cruz and they traded away Rich Hill to kind of restock some younger talents. So Brian Polakowski is asking a question. Uh, any chance Jackie Bradley Jr. is a trade ship? Partially, this comes out of uh, Brian does not want to see Tyrone Taylor sent down when Lorenzo Kane comes back later this week. So I guess, Ryan, does that mean maybe they could move JBJ? I, I don't know what his trade value would be at this point, but what are your thoughts on that? You'd be eating salary because he has a contract option, a player option for next year. So this is the rare case where David Stearns gave out a player option as opposed to a team option. And I think at this point he would exercise it unless he's just really like dead set on the idea that I don't want to go someplace where I'm not going to be able to play and be a, a player. And if that, is what the Brewers decide. Like if they down the stretch decide not to play him much, uh, maybe he would decide to just leave and go be a free agent. And he still has plenty of earning years left and plenty of talent. And I, I would expect a bounce back from him, if not this year. And he did hit two doubles tonight, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, he he's, he he's had a solid week or two here. I mean, his last two week splits, he's hitting. 304, 360, 391. So still not a ton of power, but he's kind of at least coming through in in a couple of key situations. Mm -hmm. uh, giant grain of salt being that's uh, 25 plate appearances, and he's been bad in everything minus those 25 plate appearances, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, but like we said, like the the defensive floor is right. really high because he is a fantastic defender, and the Brewers do tremendously value that. They really, really do value outfield defense. 
So, like, if if somebody came calling as part of a deal and said throw in Jackie Bradley Jr., the Brewers would be like, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. But it's <laughs> it's not going to be like they're looking to deal him for anything. His, his market's not going to be that good, and they actually do value what he does. So yeah, that's that's the answer. You kind of need somebody to be interested in him, and I don't know if that would be the case right now. You right. know, he's he's got a longer track record, but I guess among the very few contending teams or buying teams, if you want to phrase it that way, I don't see anybody who would kind of take that on, right? So doesn't seem likely to me, but crazier things have happened. Uh, I, I guess on the on the topic of trying to keep Tyrone Taylor on the roster, given he's he's been great uh, for most of the season, really. I think maybe even dark horse candidate for rookie of the year if if he gets some playing time here but uh the Brewers are going to be faced with the decision in the next couple of days lorenzo Cain's due to come back as you know brian mentioned uh but they've got a bit of an outfield log jam here so our next question comes from jesse gennigan uh kind of maybe tongue-in-cheek but also maybe not <laughs> out of the realm of possibility <laughs> Jesse's question is, uh, what injury will Christian Yelich suffer incredibly suddenly right around the time they need to make room for Kane on the roster? He's thinking a sore back. Uh, Paul, are, are you down for a, a phantom Christian Yelich injury, Just even just so he can figure some stuff out right now? I, I think you go with sore back. I think that is the way to go. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be that surprised if they did something like this. He, he's starting to look like his old lost self again, and that's no good. So he might benefit from some time off to get right. Um, but uh, uh, Tyrone Taylor, he's played very, very well. I'm sure the Grand Slam is fresh on everybody's mind. Um, but it is worth keeping in mind, He, first of all, I think he'll be on the playoff roster. He is a good lefty masher. He can cover center field credibly, but he's not great at it. Um, so I do think he is still a send-down candidate when Kane gets back. Um, but if they pulled some injury shenanigans for a little bit, it wouldn't be that surprising at all. And that, I, I like what you proposed. <laughs> uh, I feel like, I feel like the, the back is where you go with Yelich. The oblique was always Ryan's. So um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, if this happens, I won't be that surprised. But uh, I love Tyrone. I, I don't love Tyrone. I've, I've ripped Tyrone a lot. Tyrone's I was going to say, you started yeah, that's a lie. Tyrone Taylor sucks. I, I, oh, I almost yeah. lied on the podcast. That's not true. Um, <laughs> But Tyrone has played very well, but I still think he gets sent down, and that's just how that goes when you have this kind of roster crunch. I think that they can make room for him, and the way that they run through their outfielders, they've been giving Avi Garcia a lot of days off. He he didn't start on Sunday night's game. They can make five outfielder uh, that make that rotation work. Craig can make that work. I think that we're actually going to see, to jump ahead a question here, uh, I think that when we do get uh, Kane back, we're going to see Keston Hira sent down. So yeah, I so think, that was Stephen Kurtz's question. When does Keston go back to Nashville? You think that's so the natural soon. move there? I yeah. think Tuesday. Yeah, I think that's what's like, going to happen yeah. because they like the hitters that they have. Obviously, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a guy that they love defensively, but love also getting out offensively uh, somewhat. So rotating him out getting Yelich some days off isn't a bad idea especially the way things are going right now where he just it doesn't look great 
so I don't really have a problem with that. And they do have the coverage that they need at all the infield positions because Jace Peterson can basically be a super sub and get in there on a pretty frequent basis. That's true. And bounce in at second base and third base and first base, actually. You can back all of those positions up. And then probably, I don't know, you wouldn't have him play shortstop, but you'd probably have Urias play shortstop instead when you're giving uh, Adamus the day off. So you can make all of that work just fine. So I think that's where it's headed, but then that'll all get jumbled up by whatever they do at the trade deadline anyway. So uh, mm-hmm. that's a, just going to be a temporary solution to whatever happens. But then again, that's all the Brewers roster situation ever is, is a temporary solution. It's all subject True. to change in 15 minutes anyway. <laughs> Eat Arby's, nothing matters. Uh, I mean, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, Paul, you think, do you think Keston here gets sent down going back to Steven's question here. Do you think he goes down when Kane comes back, or is it soonish? Because we haven't really seen him play much at all. Lately. No, you're, Ryan's right. He he's dead in the water. He's definitely going down. There you go. Um, I I kind of want to loop back to the Christian Yelich question too, because I know like Adam McKelvey and others have noted July's been his worst month in a bad year overall. Yep. So pulled up his splits and he's hitting. And this is before Sunday night. Uh, he was hitting 209, 329, 299. That's a 628 OPS. It's his lowest OPS by month, uh, even worse than May when he hit 189 that month. Uh, you know, at least in June, he was walking. He had the OBP over 400 that month. He popped four out of his six home runs in June, but July has just kind of been a mess. They sent him home over the All Star break to not even think about baseball, kind of pulling the Keston Hira treatment on him. Are we worried at this point that he's just broken for this year and it's not going to be a midseason fix, Paul? Yeah, I'm, I've am i been worried about Yelich <laughs> the whole time. So it, it is worth noting he has bounced back and forth quite a bit between mm-hmm. good, bad, good, bad, if That's you true. go by monthly splits. But uh, the problem here is overall he's not been good. And yeah, he's had his streaks, but it, you want Yelich to be good overall and the streak should outweigh... The good streak should outweigh the bad in total, and they just don't. Um, and uh, you know, last year he was pounding lefties, um, even though they're same side. He's got a 658 OPS against lefties, and he's made very little progress against righties. Uh, he, he that's where he's walking a lot against righties, but not hitting the ball at all against anybody when it's put in play. It's not good. Like uh, every, it's a weird stat line. We've talked about his weird, stupid, high OBP, low slugging stat line a lot. But he needs to fix that. He either needs to like, lean on that OBP higher and take even more walks and make people actually pitch to him at some point, or, or he needs to actually pound stuff in the zone, and that's just not happening at all. So, yeah, uh, we should be worried. It's been a long time now since Christian Yelich was MVP, Christian Yelich. And while he's been av- he's had a positive OPS plus most of the season, it's getting pretty low right now. So it's, it's worth worrying about at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some some concern here in that we have not seen Christian Yelich be the MVP Christian Yelich since that injury. And until we see an extended run of MVP Christian Yelich, we're not going to know if that guy's ever coming back again. And I think that that is a, a genuine concern. On the other hand, we were talking about this in a, a group chat the other day, Paul. Uh, 
we're now at the point where Christian Yelich just crossed 500 plate appearances since that injury. He yes. uh, coming into today had 518 plate appearances over 124 games since that injury. And in that time, he's hitting 223, 373, 400 OPS plus of 109. So 9% better than your league average hitter in left field. That's not, you know, it's it's pretty close to average then as far as overall value in. Yeah, um, fine. In, in left field so it's and that's definitely not what you want from christian yelich that's not what you're paying for with christian yelich uh but it's also not a complete and utter disaster i'd be less worried if he had a more normal slash line like he is a stupid slash line and that uh, like i I don't know if maybe i wouldn't be more worried because i would just be like normal decline then but it's 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 bizarre i don't like bizarre problems i like problems that i understand <laughs> and this isn't that this is a it's weird logical problem. right yeah yes. exactly so i don't like this does strike me as a a weird mental yips thing and i don't care for it for that reason that's the the main reason i'm worried is the slugging has gone away and what the hell like that's not that's not right and strange problems often take strange solutions or can't be fixed and so that I think that's the main reason to worry. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you look at Yelich's history before he got to Milwaukee, here are his slugging by year, uh, starting in his his first full year at 22, uh, 402, 416, 483, 439, and then he comes to Milwaukee, and it's 598. Um, and granted, he was playing in a very power-suppressing park in Miami. Right. So and, and his slugging was... High, uh, was always higher than his on-base percentage in all of those seasons. Right. Yes. But there has been, I think, the league adjusting to him. Uh, what they seem to be doing to him now is just pounding him inside and saying, okay, can you catch up on this and uh, and do damage on it? If you can, okay, maybe we'll adjust. But they seem to be trying to, to get him on that inside corner. The shifting's been crazy on him, too. I think more persistent, too. And that's combined with the inside, too. He can't hit it inside, and if he does, he hits it into the shift, right? Yeah, and I think there's also, with Yelich, how much are the the pitchers still respecting him? And maybe that's maybe we're seeing that wear off a little bit over the last month because, the, you, like you mm-hmm. pointed out, the, the on-base percentage is down. The walks have been down somewhat. But the the pitchers had really still been respecting him and giving him the ability to walk. And we've seen a frustration point. You, he has argued more with umpires over ball strike calls in the last few weeks than I can remember since he got here. Yep, like yeah. he is, he is not happy. And to be fair to him, he has gotten squeezed a number of times and has had some real bullshit problems with various umpires that we've seen, you know, between those red series and, all of that. By the way, did you see the Doug Eddings gem from the other night? That was something else. Wasn't the video just that a was going around. Issue with him. No, yeah, it's exactly. yeah, it's persistent. But anyway, it is a weird problem. And you're right, Paul. Maybe you'd feel more comfortable if it wasn't if it wasn't weird because you'd have seen it before. But <laughs> I mean, he wasn't a huge power hitter when he got to Milwaukee. That part of his game exploded when he got here what we thought we were getting was we were thinking we were getting more batting average than this obviously over the last right. couple of years um we were not thinking we were you were getting a uh you know a 221 batting average guy right. that's really low 
But if you had told me that we were getting a 370 on base percentage from him, I would have said, okay, that's pretty good. That's what we're looking for. And the slugging is low-ish. Oh, look at that. It just popped because uh, we've gone to the, the next day, apparently. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's, it's in there now because uh, right. the slugging is now 397 instead of 400. But whatever. Ooh. Point being. Uh, Council territory. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Point being that it's it's a it's a tricky situation with him right now and i would not uh advise anybody to give up in any way shape or form on him he is still out there uh controlling the strike zone really pretty well and that is a core skill that i think we can sort of count on and we just got to hope that he figures out the power thing and can start pulling baseballs like he did when he was in his heyday. Yep. Yeah. By the way, he's much better on the road than at home. That's Um, weird, too. It is weird, but even on the road, he's still not slugging. It's 407 versus 327 at home, but he has an 843 OPS on the road and 653 at home. Yeah, that's... That's weird. And for me, I I just keep kind of going back to uh, he's just grounding out a lot more than I think we've seen since he got to Milwaukee. His his launch angle numbers are down to probably the lowest they've been since his first full year in the majors in 2016. I mean, when he came here, he, he kind of joined that launch angle revolution, right? In 2019 with the super bouncy ball, it was 11.3 was the average launch angle and, and he's down to 4.3 now and so you're just seeing a lot more ground balls you're not seeing those gappers that we saw from him and i think that's kind of the frustration too even when he makes that contact it's a ground out and and it's just frustrating to see so yeah i mean there have always been issues with him and grounding out that was a mm-hmm. weird thing about his profile even that's when true. he was at mvp people were like this is really strange he's grounding out a lot more than dominant hitters usually do but he was combining that with when he didn't ground out, basically he was just hammering the ball every single right. time. And he's not doing that now. And so it it looks a lot worse. And it, it he needs to get back to pulling the baseball. And I don't know <laughs> like why that's not happening, if it's physical, yep. if it's mental, what exactly the issue is. But that's he needs to get back to pulling the baseball hard. Yeah. You know, maybe we are, we are in for a phantom injured list stint and he can just take batting practice for two weeks and work on pulling the baseball a little bit more. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, in the meantime, I think uh, we had a couple Twitter questions, but we're kind of running up on time here. So, Ryan, let's uh, talk about we got some new patrons this week. Do you want to give them a shout out? Yeah. Uh, so we have uh, Phil Tamling and Jeffrey Carroll, our new patrons so welcome guys we appreciate that very much and Mm -hmm. luke zimmerman uh bumped from two to five so he is now eligible to receive those uh those sweet sweet extra podcasts that we put out there luke so sweet sweet extra podcasts good time to do it as we mentioned you guys are doing that post draft uh minor league extra later this week so if anybody else other than luke uh is interested in that you you can always upgrade too if you're already a patron uh, in the meantime, that $5 level does get you that 
minor league extra podcast, as well as Paul's rantings, I'm sure about Aaron Rodgers or whatever the topic <laughs> of the reporting is eligible mini pod will be. Aaron Rodgers and also the the, uh, the future of the um, NFC North and who will be leading it after the post Rodgers era. I, I have a Detroit Lions fan I work with who is very excited about all this offseason's developments. So I don't well, want to crush his spirits. You so. should crush his spirits because they're stupid. Probably, yes. Yeah. They, they could have had Justin <laughs> Fields, and they picked an offensive tackle, and they should all be fired for that. So. Oh, yeah. I, I need to point out, I saw in the wild at uh, AmFam Field on Friday night a Justin Fields Bears jersey. All right, and Chicago. We were we were giggling about that because uh, don't giggle too much. Well, I I pretty good. They're gonna eat him alive. I think they're gonna eat him alive. No, they're not. The Bears fans, Bears fans are going to eat him alive. Yeah, they probably will. Although they maybe they should be pretty gun shy about ripping on quarterbacks, though. I mean, right. For a franchise whose second best quarterback is Jay Cutler, I think they could probably settle down. So I do need go. to point out to you the the <laughs> story, maybe apocryphal, of the guy walking through uh, Soldier Field or wherever it was. The Packers played Jay Cutler in his very first game uh, with the Bears, and he threw three interceptions in the first half. And uh, as he does, as as Jay does, and they took uh, the guy walking through the the stands with his uh, jersey turned inside out already. Oh, man. I mean, (laughs) okay. like, I think they're going to eat him alive. This is what I've always thought about. I think Bears fans are so desperate for a quarterback. They're so quarterback thirsty that they, as soon as anything goes negatively at all with any of their quarterbacks, they just murder him. And it will be very, very difficult. So we'll see. Maybe put it put it to the test. (laughs) <laughs> this will be the this will be the test for it because I, th- I think they actually have a good one for the first time in a while. I mean, this is their right. best quarterback prospect since at least what sexy Rexy? <laughs> no, I mean, th- I mean, it's a hard question because they don't ever have any. <laughs> their first round quarterbacks of the last two decades are Rex Grossman, who you just mentioned, which was a stupid pick. Cade McNown, who also was not a great pick, uh, so close to having Dante Culpepper. And, and Trubisky, which I mean, will will be in the annals of NFL history as one of the worst picks of all time. So, like, that's kind of it. They don't go to the first round or even the second round very often, other than those three. And uh, this is a rare instance for them. Justin Fields is a way better prospect than any of those people. So that's they have that going for him here. That that's a big, huge advantage over anybody else. All right, so uh, you're definitely going to want to listen to Reporting as Eligible for more talk like that. (laughs) Uh, In the meantime, we're going to wrap up the baseball podcast for this week. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else you listen to the podcast. Please do hit that subscribe button, and while you're there, please leave us a review to help other people find us. And I think we do have a couple yes. we wanted to read out, which you did. Thank you so much. Yes. So, so uh, as we as we always promise, five star reviews. Yes. Paul will read them. So yes, Paul, only five gotta... star reviews we will read. So um, we have two. We have Chuck Crims Cleats, which is a great name. Great. Um, who starts by insisting I say this in Jim Rome's voice? So I'll try. <laughs> Phenomenal. Um, <laughs> Excellent podcast. Great insight on all Brewer stuff. Also was wondering what has happened more, Paul moving or amount of teams Edwin Jackson has played for. Um, the answer like is... the uh, So for going 
for lifetime, it's definitely Paul moving. It's not even close. Not even remotely close. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. I know Edwin Jackson's played for like twelve He's teams, for like fifteen teams or something. I still I not pull this up. still not close. It's still me. Um, I I assure you. I as a as an attorney, I have to fill out my addresses from the last ten years with some routine, and uh, I it's just a very long list. So, uh, we also have um, Ergpen fifteen, always a must listen. Great content and information to keep us Brewer fans coming back for more. Keep up the great work. So thanks to both of you. Um, as always, if you leave us a five-star review and only a five-star review, <laughs> we will read whatever you put down below it. So um, keep, please keep doing that. It does help us. It helps the show get distributed to more people. Um, we, we really do appreciate all the five-star reviews. Uh, just uh, officially confirming, Edwin Jackson has played for 14 teams. So still, I, I still win. So <laughs> I, I have a seven-year-old who lives in his eighth house. So um, if you want to just come at me with that that's that's what i got <laughs> ryan's eyes right now are giant it's it's great i've moved right. twice in the last three years and that is horrifying to me that's been enough meanwhile yeah. paul's <laughs> what you've been in this house for a month and you've still got stuff in boxes so there you well, go well yeah well yeah <laughs> takes a long time to unpack yeah you got a lot of stuff yeah. So, all right. Uh, in the meantime, we'll wrap things up here. Uh, it's getting late for us as we record this. A lot of yawning going on. So, uh. Uh, we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, stay well, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Walk.